Let's quickly open our Bibles. We are going to read from the book of Jeremiah chapter 10. It's, um, it's almost like an anthem. Yeah, now. <laughs> My children all know it by heart. When I say open the Jeremiah chapter, they don't bother opening again. <laughs> that day I said we should change the version we use at home. My daughter said, after we have crammed this one. <laughs> because we normally use NIV in the house. But because of the children, so that everybody will be able to flow. So one day I wanted to switch to a NLT. Uh, now she reminded me, saying, no, that is not going to work. Because they know everything from that verse 6 to verse 16 by heart. They don't look at the Bible again. And I think it's good. The Lord is good. That's what it means to sharpen, to wet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate into the heart. Yes, it penetrates by, from repetition. All right, Jeremiah chapter 10. Let's open our Bibles, and I want us to read with um, a commanding voice. We want the spirits around to hear us. We are declaring it for Nigeria to hear. We are declaring it for the whole world to hear. All right, one, two, let's go. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O king of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are all together stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Beating silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Ophaz. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the heavens, earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom. And by his understanding, he stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there's a tumult of waters in the heavens. And he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen. Amen. And we say the Lord of hosts, his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. It is written, all the gods... All the systems, all the beasts that did not make the heavens and the earth, in the time of their punishment, they will perish. Amen. They will perish from under the heavens. Amen. They will perish from the surface of the earth. Amen. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. I said they will perish from under the heavens. Amen. They will perish from the surface of the earth. Amen. Any god or system that did not make the heavens or the earth, thus it shall happen. They will perish in the time of their judgment. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. All the 
Quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding, and then we'll take our seats to begin to study. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. The Lord will bless you specially again today in Jesus' name. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Amos. By the way, I love Amos. But you may not know why I love him, sir, but I do. The book of Amos, chapter 1. The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds from Tekoa, which he envisioned in visions concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the days, in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. He said, The Lord roars from Zion, and from Jerusalem he utters his voice, and the shepherds' pasture grounds mourn, and the summit of Carmel dries up. Verse 3, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Damascus, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. Because they threshed Gilead with implements of sharp iron, so I will send fire upon the house of Hazael, and it will consume the citadels of Ben-Hadad. I will also break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Avon, and him who holds the scepter from beth Eden. So the people of Aram will go exiled to Ker, says the Lord. In verse 6, it says, For thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Gezer, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they deported an entire population to deliver it up to Edom. So I will send fire upon the wall of Gezer, and it will consume her citadels. I will also cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod, and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will even unleash my power upon Ekron, and the remnants of the Philistines will perish, says the Lord God. Now, I'm going to jump, all right, a few just to save some time. In verse 11, he talks about the three transgressions of Edom and for four. And he says, these are the transgressions, because he pursued his brother with the sword, while he stifled his compassion. His anger also tore continually, and he maintained his fury forever. He said, I will send fire upon Teman. These are the cities of those countries that he now keeps telling us about. And it will consume the citadels of Bozrah. Then in verse 11, we see of the transgressions of Ammon and um, the judgment that he says he will bring in verse um, 14. So I will kindle a fire upon the wall of Reba. Now, if you go down to verse uh, chapter 2, it continues. For three transgressions of Moab, and for four, I will not revoke his punishment, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. I will send fire upon Moab. Where I'm going is verse four. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, 
I will not revoke its punishment. Because they rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes, their lies also have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. So I will send fire upon Judah, and I will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, verse 6, For three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they sell the righteous for money and the needy for a pair of sandals. These who, who pant after the very dust of the earth on the head of the helpless also turn aside the way of the humble. And a man and his father resort to the same girl in order to profane my holy name. On garments taken and pledges they stretch out beside every altar. And in the house of their God they drink the wine of those who have been fined. He says, yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them. Though his height was like the height of cedars, and it was strong as the oaks, I even destroyed his fruit above and his roots below. It was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt, and I led you in the wilderness forty years, that you might take possession of the land of the Amorite. Then I raised up some of your sons to be prophets, and some of your young men to be Nazarites. Is that not so, O sons of Israel, declares the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine, and you commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. Behold, I am weighed down beneath you, as a wagon is weighted down when filled with sheaves. Flight will perish from the swift, and the stalwart will not strengthen his power, nor the mighty man save his life. He who grasps the bow will not stand his ground. The swift of foot will not escape, nor will he, nor will he who rides the horse save his life. Even the bravest amongst the warriors will flee naked in that day declares the Lord. Amen? Amen. The Lord is good. How many of you read Amos once in a while? (laughs) He should. He's a very interesting prophet. He's a man that says, stop prophesying. He says, am I I a prophet? I'm not a prophet too. And I'm not not the son of a prophet. He says, I'm a a shepherd and a keeper of sycamore trees. The Lord just sent me on an errand. I'm just a messenger. The Lord is good. He was not interested in the title. Okay. We just read this to lay a foundation for what we want to discuss today. What are we doing? We're looking at the God of the nations. And I want to just um, start by explaining something to Christians. Bear this in mind. Sometimes I join prayers. People, I get involved in prayer meetings. And people are saying prayers and I can't say amen. People are declaring, say, get up, declare, decree. And I'm looking and I say, no, you can't do that in my mind. You can't do that. You can't prophesy your desires. You cannot decree your own judgment. You cannot decree according to the sin of your eyes and the hearing of your eyes and your ears. You must learn to judge with righteous judgment. Please bear that in mind. You must learn to judge with righteous judgment. So many times I see people praying, and I say, no, you are praying according to the lost. Well, the desires, let me not use the word lost, so as not to give it a negative connotation. But you are praying the desires of your heart, not necessarily the will of God. And the will of God is that which activates answer, answers from the Lord. You must understand the will of God. Now, please bear this in mind. So, many times we are praying. We're just praying the way Gentiles pray. Gentiles pray their desires. They are not focused on the will of God. And many times that's what causes um, us a disappointment. Now, I want to bring out something here. You see, for you to be able to pray effectively as a believer, you must have understanding. You must have understanding. There is no other way. You must have understanding. You must have baseline understanding. It must be in your heart concerning how things actually work. Otherwise, many times you'll be praying against God. 
Sometimes I see people, they are rebuking the devil. I say, this is not a time to rebuke. This is a time to repent. Because God speaks in different ways. He speaks in dreams and visions and all of that. But most importantly for this particular context, he speaks in circumstances. He looks around, you understand? Or you look around and see what God is doing. You can discern his anger. You can discern his pleasure. You can discern when people actually have offended him. And he is the one sending judgment against them. And at that time, you can't rebuke his judgment. You can only ask for his mercy. Many times I see people, they see judgment and they are rebuking. It's because of the way we've been trained, you know, as a believer, take authority. You must understand where you have authority. You must understand it. You don't just take authority everywhere. You must know how to take authority. There are times your authority is in boldness to approach God to ask for mercy, not in counteracting his judgment. Many times people don't understand. They say, but Jesus Christ rebuked the wind and all of that. You see, ah, time will not allow us to start explaining the ministry of Jesus. You must understand, Jesus could not have done the things he did except that John the Baptist went ahead as a forerunner. And the emphasis there was that John the Baptist came with the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The people had gone for baptism. Jesus was coming to execute the mercy of God that they had received as a result of repentance and baptism. That's what the Bible calls the lawful captive. You must understand it. For example, Jesus said, what's his name? Peter was in the house of Cornelius and he was preaching. He said that he came to do something. He said, you've heard of Jesus. How God had anointed him. And he went around doing what? Good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, oppressed of the devil. That's what I want to emphasize. You must understand something. The people he was healing. Let me give an example. If Gehazi had come to him, fresh from the presence of Elisha, will he have been healed? Think about it for a moment before you answer me. If Gehazi had come to Jesus, fresh from the presence of Elisha, after Elisha placed the curse of the, the, the curse of the leprosy um, of Naaman upon him. Will he have been healed? I'll give you the answer. No. It would, Jesus would not have healed him. You assume Jesus healed everybody. It's not true. There are people he looked at, they talked to him, and he walked away. People just assume that Jesus went into touching everybody. Be healed, be healed, be healed. No, he did no such thing. He went to a pool full of the sick, the lame, and all of that. He healed one person and walked away. There's a reason for that. There's a particular reason for that. Bear it in mind. But let me say something. What if Gehazi, now try and paint this in your mind, spread it over time, had left the presence of Elisha and gone to the house of John the Baptist and said to John, please, sir, have mercy upon me. I sinned against the Lord. And John says, confess your sins. And he did. And then John baptizes him. Remember, John did no mighty work. So he would not have been cured of the leprosy. They will have left the house of John. Now, I said spread over time. And walked over time to the house of Jesus. Next question. Would Jesus have healed him? Yes. Most certainly. Why? Because, now, will he have arrived with Jesus with leprosy? Yes, sir. That leprosy, from the time he left the house of John, till he got to Jesus, is called the oppression of the devil. Before he got to John, he's just recompense of reward for disobedience. Once he leaves John, it becomes what is called the oppression of the devil. That's something we must bear in mind. That was why many people couldn't get anything from the, under the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they re- rebelled against the gospel of John. 
it's important we get this thing clear. So it's not every time we just go, eh, rebuke, rebuke. There are times we come, first of all, with repentance. There are times we won't even repent anything. We just kneel down and say, Lord, what is going on? When Israel went to Ai, when Joshua led them in battle, sent them to Ai to go and fight, and they lost the battle, what did Joshua do? He fell before, on his face before the Lord. He said, Lord, what is going on? And the Lord told him, it's time for repentance. It's time to remove the things that were accustomed from the midst of you. When did we take it? It's somewhere there. God said, go and find it. And then he found it. And he took it away. And he punished the man that brought him to the camp. And then they returned to Ai and won their battle. Many times Christians just sit and say, hmm, we rebuke the, the, the defeat of Ai. <laughs> I said, come back. As, listen, as long as the things taken from Jericho remain in the camp of Achan, they will continue to lose their battle. Please, I'm trying to establish principles in our hearts. It's when we understand this is we can pray effectively. That's why sometimes I see what's going on. When we want to pray for Nigeria sometimes, I think Christians rebuke too much. I used to be like that. Now, I'm a mercy man. You know what they call mercy? So I want to pray for a nation. I don't rebuke anything. Except I have special revelation. I'm not rebuking nothing. I ask for mercy. I always ask for mercy. You can't use force. You can't use your authority. You can't invoke the name of Jesus by force against people who the Lord has indignation. That's to rebuke, to stop their problems. No. You can't use it to end their problems if the Lord has indignation against them. That is why we have to preach the gospel. Some of this gospel of prosperity we preach on air is, 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 is false. The gospel is false, not because the letters don't appear correct, but it's applying to the wrong person. How can you say to the wicked, it shall be well with him? It's against the law of God. You don't say to the wicked, it shall be well with him. What we preach a lot of times is God is angry with us. It's not the gospel of the kingdom. What we should be preaching to the world is repent for the judgment of God is coming. That's what we need to preach. Repent. The judgment of God is coming against you. And really, we need to preach it. You know, I keep on saying, the way we preach grace is ungraceful. That is not the true grace of God. It's not the true grace of God. The first step to receiving grace is to acknowledge the fact that you're in trouble. I hope you're getting my point. Until you realize you're in trouble, you can't receive mercy. Please, you're getting my principle here. So we don't preach it to the world. You know, that's why they keep on saying things like, uh, how can a good God do this? I say, a good God that's going to kill you tomorrow. You are asking questions. We need to say to people again, the soul that sins, he shall die. They say, no, preach the love of God. I'll tell you the love of God. The love of God is that that soul does not have to die. The love of God is that Jesus died. That die is there. Somebody has to die. If the soul that sins will not die, it's because he has claimed the death that Jesus died on his behalf. Don't make it look like God is one, you know, one, one, one week, you know. You know this song, this song that we love here so much, in Christ alone. My, there's a particular line there that says that uh, um, on, that, on, on that cross, when Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. No, people try to change it. They say no. Sing it like this. On that cross when Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. They want to paint a God that has no wrath, no anger. It is very wrong. Please, I'm establishing principles in our house so we can pray effectively. This is our school of prayer. Like I keep on saying, 
we learn here, here how to pray. Because I personally am convinced that most Christians, they waste time in prayer. The, the, the time wasted is enormous. It comes to billions of man hours, you know, like we say in economics. Because when people keep on doing something wrong again and again, and they are doing it in this course of millions, it comes to billions of man hours. And Jesus said, why? He said, you err, not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. And that's what we're trying to set straight. Let's understand the scriptures. Let's understand the power of God. Let's know when to cry for mercy. Do you know there are times God will even tell you, even though human beings, we don't, we don't agree. He will say, enough of cry for mercy. You pack your bag and leave. Ah, he said, no, Lord. <laughs> he told Jeremiah, this one, this people. He said, if you like, go and recruit Moses and Samuel. I still will not listen. He said, you, I'll give you a life as a booty. Nothing else. Why? He said, because a destruction has been determined overflowing with righteousness. He said, God sent prophets to them again and again. They did not hear his prophets. Many of them they killed. He said, until there was no remedy. Sometimes they pushed God to a point, there's no remedy. Many of these preachings we are preaching is so that we won't get to that point. Please, let's bear these things in mind. I'm just trying to introduce why we are doing what we are doing. So we can have the right truths in our hearts. So we can have the right truths in our hearts. Okay? The Lord is good. So we are talking about the God of the nations. And when we want to pray for a nation, we should bear these truths we are establishing in our hearts. I've been saying, of course, I explained that, listen, if I let me quickly jump into the thing I have for today, because if I'm doing a lot of review, I may end up not getting to what I want to say today. First of all, we have remembered, we have established that God re- relates with people on this earth, not just with Jews. It is not a right preaching, okay, for us to give the impression that the only thing that God is doing is, you know, about the, in the nation of Israel on the earth. We have established that God spoke to our fathers in diverse manners, different ways, which is one of the reasons why I read, read the book of um, Amos here. You see, you see the judgment of God. We started with which, which country now? Syria. All right, that's Damascus. That's uh, uh, Syria, also known as Aram. You see, he talked about the Philistines, Gaza. That's the Philistines. You see Tyre. You see Edom. That's the descendants of Esau. You see Ammon. These are descendants of um, Lot. Okay? Moab, also descendants of Lot. Then he came down to Judah, Jerusalem, and he came down to Israel. Now you can see there's a broad division, the Gentiles and the Jews. Okay? Now, let me just the Gentiles and the people of God. Because when we use the word Jews, actually it's Judah alone, but let's talk about the whole Israel. So the Gentile and Israel, Gentiles and Israel. But what I want to emphasize, which is why we read this, is that you see, God had dealings with all of them. God had dealings with the sons of Ammon, Moab, Edom, the Philistines, Tyre, the people of Tyre, all of them. He had dealings with each person. Please bear that in mind. And that extends till today. Now, God is very just. As you can see here, he explains the basis of his judgment. He will say, for the three transgressions of Gaza... And for four, I will not revoke his punishment. And he begins to outline some of those transgressions. It will tell you, for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. Then it begins to outline. That tells you God is just. 
He doesn't punish people for nothing. Even the sons of um, the Canaan, when he was going to take the land of Canaan, he told Israel, the iniquity of the Amorite has to be full. So he took the people out of the land, went and kept them in Egypt until the iniquity of the people will be full. And we're not discussing their iniquity now, but the fact is that they filled up the cup of their iniquity until wrath poured forth from the presence of God against them and wiped them out. The problem was not the people of Israel looking for space. It was not accommodation that was the issue. The issue was that the people sinned against God. God took them out because, he said it clearly to them, I'm removing them because of their iniquities, their wickedness. He said, that's why I'm taking them out. And so he warned the people of Israel, when I'm bringing you in, don't do what they did so that the land will also not spill you out. Don't say we are the people of God. He said, if you do what they did, it will be against the principle of righteousness for me not to apply the same judgment against you. So what I will do for you is that I will give you laws and standards. If you will keep, you will endure in the land. If you don't keep them and you follow the way of the people that I'm removing, you will experience exactly what the people experienced. I'm talking about the judgment or the justice or righteousness of God. God is righteous. So anytime he's doing something, he's always right. Please remember, we are not to judge with the seeing of our eyes or the hearing of our ears. How are we supposed to judge? With righteous judgment. What is righteous judgment? Let God show you what is going on. Get revelation from God, from the word of God. Let's come back to Nigeria as a nation. And please, if you are listening to this from any other country, the principle applies to every country. It applies to Tyre, to Edom, to Ammon, to all of them. Okay? So, if you are a Ghanaian, you are, you are Turkish, you may that country, you are Russian, you are from Moldova, whatever, Zip, that no, uh, yes. uh-huh. Serbia, wherever it is, Ghana, Cameroon, this applies. The principle is the same everywhere. But the application to each country may, you know, may vary. Now, Nigeria has a lot of issues now, and it's not only Nigeria, it's everywhere in the world. You know, <laughs> inflation, inflation, food is getting expensive. I saw a video yesterday, <laughs> one guy in America complaining that he went to Costco. It's not, things are not, it's like going to Walmart, something like that. And that the thing he used to buy has doubled in price over the last few months. That what is going on? Joe Biden should do something. And he was shouting, shouting. He said, hey, Joe, Joe, Joe Biden, my uncle. My uncle Joe Biden. He was making a lot of noise. Ah. I said, bros, Joe Biden is not your uncle. Barack Obama is your uncle. You look like a black man to me. <laughs> that was my own personal joke. <laughs> so it's all over the world. Okay, It's not just here. I mean, if you go to Europe, it's happening. Our people tend to magnify our own problems as if we are the only ones that have problems. Bros, it's everywhere. Okay? And let me tell you again, all over the world, you know, one climate summit is going on. I think they are rounding it off now. I don't bother reading anything there. I said, it's a, it's a gathering of confusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, it's a no shred of doubt in my mind. So they are committing to not cutting down trees. They are committing to carbon neutral this. Please write this thing down. None of it will work. Number one, 90% will not meet their commitments. That's one. Number two, even if they did, it will have no effect on the warming of the globe. I don't want to get carried away into global warming issues now. But mark what I said down. 90% will not make their commitments because they will not be able to. 
God will make sure they can't. And even if we were to allow them to do it, it still will have no effect. Because if God blows heat upon the earth, it will get hot. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. And you see where I'm going. So people analyze things. Things are going on here. These are going on here. The title of this our series is The God of the Nations. And when we say God there, I'm emphasizing the fact that he's the judge of the nations. That he judges the nations. It is not the devil. Please. Ah! That is a major problem we have had. The devil, it is not the devil. I can say to you assuredly right now that what the nations are experiencing is the judgment of God. Let, let's take our nation as an example. All right? Nigeria as an example. You are in Anambra. We are in eastern Nigeria. What is the major noise you hear? IPOB, ESN, and a new one. BG, BNG, Biafran National Guard. You heard that one recently. And the people are afraid to go out on Mondays. And any day that name they can goes to court and all of that. So people now make it like I told my classmates. I said, stop privatizing public problems. <laughs> that is, you want to make, this is a, it's an Oruyabok kind of thing. Did you hear what I said? How many people understood? I spoke in tongue. Right, right there, right there, right there. Did anybody interpret? <laughs> That's your actually. He said, the sky is falling. It's not one man's trouble. I said, why are you making it look like it's just your trouble? This is my classmate is from the East here. She lives abroad. And we'll get a lot of arguments. I said, I think my problem with you is that you make national problems look like an evil problem. I said, it is not. Yes, that's what I keep on telling her. I said, this thing annoys me. And you just live abroad and be telling, talking nonsense. See, just follow my point. When you get to eastern Nigeria, you see it's a set of problems. Then you go to northern Nigeria. <laughs> Please, this is Nigerian issue I want to talk about for a moment. The average northerner has no sympathy for you. Do you know why? He's going through ten times worse than you are going through. He can't He can't have any sympathy. He comes to look for shelter in Enugu. That's why they're all over the place. So he's looking at you say, you think you have problems? Follow me to Zamfara. You think you have problems? Please follow me to Katsina. Oh, you think you have problems? Please come. I know the truth. My friends in North have said it for a long time. That southerners are funny. That if what has been going on, in fact, I heard a northern man, one of these big Arewa guys say it, that what's been going on in the north, if it happens in the south, the country will be on fire. But it's as if down south, life means more to us. That is, one person dies to make a lot of noise. But over there, two people die, they just bury and continue like nothing happened. My friend Pastor Craig will say that this is people I see here now, that he has been shouting for years. That this has been going on for a very long time. You are just hearing about it. That they say went to a village and killed people. <laughs> if they come to one village in the east and kill three people, you know it's, it's headline news. He said, what is it? That years ago, not under Buhari, Jonah, they were wiping out villages. I, heard, I used to hear him say it. What are people talking about? Now, see, please get my point. I'm not saying it is right. Though. I'm just trying to say that <laughs> you're breathing everywhere. <laughs> That's what I'm going to emphasize. Are going through the same things. Yet, you have a different name for it down here. They get over there, they have a different name for, a different name for it. You get down to Niger Delta, they have a different name. That is, is the same spirit. Gets to a place, looks for what to use to cause trouble. And listen to this. Now distracts Christians. 
And they start analyzing that problem as if that is the problem. Instead of doing like Elihu said, to say, where is God my maker? Please, I hope you are getting my point. That is, I'm saying this, this to you categorically. The nations and this nation is experiencing what is called the wrath of God. And that is what we are praying against and preaching so as to suspend. What it pains my heart when I hear Christians, especially teachers of the world, prophets, and they can't give me spiritual insight. They are giving me political insight. They want to tell me the problem of the country. They are giving me APC, PDP. And, uh, okay, let's go to an Ambra debate of yesterday. And Abga. And I say, and you call yourself a preacher. And you call yourself a preacher. You don't even know how to discern the times. You don't know how to discern spiritual events. There's an earthquake. You, you are discussing fault lines. There's a hurricane. You are discussing global warming. There's an outbreak of a plague over the land. And you are talking about microbiological control and public health measures. And let me tell you something. God said, kindle your fire. When I pour a plague upon the land, go and kindle your fire. Use your public health mission, your vaccines and everything to control it. You know what he does? It's called deception. God will allow you to be deceived. After you have worked hard and worked hard and worked hard, it will work. The plague will come to an end. And you flex your muscles. Yeah. You know, it's a lot we can achieve if we put our minds to it and come together as a people. When we come together, you can see God will be looking at us. No, Allah. No, Allah. I have set you up so that you can fall bigger. So you get arrogant. You must understand. When problems come upon a land, the reaction of the people to problems matters to God. When they get arrogant, ah, when they say, look, the walls are fallen. We built, what kind of wall fell? fell? Brick, um, one made of bricks. Now we're going to build with stones. God said, good. That arrogance against God the walls came. He said, the trees, is it the figs are falling? We build sycamore trees. No, sycamore trees fell. What did they say we are going to build to replace it? Is it oaks or what's the name of those ones? Cedars. We'll replace sycamore trees with cedars. God said, very good. I pull down your sycamore trees. Your reaction is that we'll, build, we'll plant cedars in its place. God said, don't worry. That arrogance, you know what it does? It triggers worse judgment. So that the next plague that comes, it will confound your best scientists. That's what happens. God says to Moses, go and turn snakes, uh, rods to snakes. Egyptians did, did their own. You know, God could have stopped their own, their own for, from walking. He could have stopped it from walking. But God said, no, if I stop it from walking, they may repent. You know, they say, I will harden their hearts. Moses turned water to, to red, to blood. They did their own. God allowed it to happen. Why? He said they are going to get hardened the more. You think there's no reason for Pharaoh becoming hard all that while? Each time the scientists and the, the juju men sat him down and showed him what was going on, they thought. So they convinced him it was not the power of God. So the heart became harder. So people become obstinate. They become arrogant. In their arrogance, they are obstinate against God. 
You know what happens? He brings forth greater judgment upon them. Listen to my words. The reason a nation like this will experience worse judgment is because of the lies the pastors are preaching. And very soon, if they are not careful, God will begin to cancel and erase and dethrone every preacher who will be preaching politics from the pulpit. I will not preach the fear of God. When things happen, you are supposed to say, where is God, my maker? But, you know, the one that annoys me most, and if you're a preacher, and you're a senior Christian, you're doing it, stop today, otherwise your judgment starts tomorrow. Listen. It is this one of labeling the current head of state as a cause of the problems. Number one, it's a big, that is, you have been dishonest because you voted for him because we were angry with the former head of state. You've forgotten that part. You seem to have forgotten. Was it not because the judgment began that you voted out the old one and brought in this one? And like I said, I felt sorry for the man as I said this one. They've set you up for failure. Who set you up for failure? The Christians in Nigeria. The Christians in Nigeria are decreed. You know, see, apostle, decree is not when you hold your hands. With decree. You can decree by your actions. They decreed that the man will fail. Do you know how, why they did? How they did? By putting their hope upon him. He said, it's a third commandment. It's a third commandment. They broke the third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God and place on a vain thing. They said, we need deliverance. Give us Buhari. It's called the third commandment being broken. You took the name of the Lord your God and placed on a vain human being. His breath is in his nostrils. So once the church, once the people, and you must understand, he judges the nations by what his people therein are doing. In every nation we discussed that last time again, he has his people. The lost portion is his people. The Israel of God is the allotment of his inheritance. He's a judge of the nations. So when the nations, you know, they, explain, they experience indignation. The indignation of God manifests in a number of ways. Number one, natural disasters. I'm not, not in a particular order. I'm just giving it to you. One, natural disasters, wars, you know. You know the other. They said they were interviewing one um, this is an number election. One television went to interview one of the candidates. As they were interviewing him, they were hearing ta 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 behind. And they were like, what is going on? They said, look, just conduct the interview. <laughs> Conducting an interview. They were hearing things outside. This guy was living in a war zone. <laughs> the Bible calls it sword. He brings a sword against a people. Then he also brings pestilences and wild beasts against people. That's what they call farming or breaking the staff of bread. Your salary suddenly is worth half of what it was worth six months ago today. And then you turn and say, Buhari, God said that is in itself is adding sin unto sin. I broke the staff of bread. You know, one of the worst doctrines that is, in the, on, is in, on this earth today is the one in which the glory of God has been given to the devil. When God breaks the staff of bread, he says the devil. God said, no, I'm the one that breaks the staff of bread. Read your Bible. Where did you see the, the, the devil break the staff of bread? He said, I call for a famine upon the land. God does it. He calls for famine upon the land. Why do you make it look like he doesn't? He does. He said, I said, look, let there be no rain. And there's no rain. You know, the other day I was thinking about, you know, this coronavirus thing when it came out. Technology had advanced. Within a few months, they had sequenced the, the, what used to take years. 
People say they plan. They didn't plan nothing. It's just technology. Technology has advanced so that the, 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 the genomic sequence of the virus could be brought out in a few weeks. And they did it in Lagos. So it's not as if they did it everywhere. They do it now every week. That's why they can tell you a new strain is out. A new strain is out. A new technology for making vaccines was already out. The RNA thing. They've been working on it for a long time. So it's a good time to test it. They began to test it. The old technology was applied also. So you find live attenuated viruses. You find RNA viruses, uh, uh, vaccines, all of them out. And they said, come on, we are going to eradicate this thing. God started laughing. I realized that a few days ago. Because they do all the vaccines you want. I will make people not take it. And the Lord released a word into the air. And the people heard the rumor and said, we are not taking a vaccine. I said, God. I fear God. Because, yeah, you can gather, I will scatter it. <laughs> After the people, they were looking at the technology. So this technology, I will, say, I will say to them, don't take. You know what's happening all over the world now? In the so-called civilized countries. They mount protests against the vaccine mandate that we have the right not to take. You sack a man for not taking, he drags you to court. And if you know America very well, once that thing gets to the Supreme Court, America believes so much in human rights, freedom. And once they issue a statement, it was, we are not taking again. Yeah. All your vaccines will rot where you kept them. Why? Because the law said you won't take it. If you know God then, you, go, you will be afraid of him. You can have a solution that God said it won't work. It was supposed to work, but he issued a word and said it will not work. So it calls for plagues, you know, pestilences, famine. He breaks the staff of bread. And he said, in the midst of all of these things, please stop giving the glory to the devil. Realize that I am judging the nations. And when you don't realize it, you set the people up for greater judgment. I say this with conviction. I have no doubt in my mind. The way the church has been preaching about the political situation in Nigeria, 2023 will be worse. And the problem? The church. Nothing wrong with APC. Not, see, you must understand, APC is nothing. PDP is nothing. He said, when you put them on a scale, they weigh less than nothing. Spiritually, they don't have weight. They can't make a, pre- they can't make a counselor. Not talking about president. APC cannot make a president. They can't change a nation. PDP, you know, yesterday when I watched a bit of the Anambra gubernatorial debate, the one with, between Andy Uba, uh, Charles Ludo, and uh, is it Claire, what's his name? Oh, oh, is it Vincent? What is this? Valentine Ozigo. Okay, Ozigo. Anyway, you know who I'm talking about. The three of them were talking. You know, Valentine said something. He said, this is the PDP of today. These two people are PDP of the past. <laughs> Did you notice that? I don't know if you watched it. And he was right. He said, look, we are the PDP of today. He said, this, basically all of us here are PDP. <laughs> I'm today's PDP. The two of them are yesterday's PDP. And he was so correct. Of course, no Charles Rudo was a strong economic player. Under our passengers regime. Yes. And of course, Anduba was, they, they were yapping that was a, was a passenger's um, uh, house, uh, yes. 
You know, some people don't know how to yap. In fact, I told somebody where I was watching, I said, that is not a yap. That's not yap. That's, that's a compliment. He should have just said it the biblical way. He was a person just cup bearer. That's what he was. That's Nehemiah in your Bible. You may be laughing at him. He was, a, he, was a, he was his houseboy. No. He was a man the president trusted to give him water to drink. You can be yapping. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> the point I'm making is that, listen, they are all nothing. PDP recycling themselves. And I keep on telling people that the politicians are not, see, I'm not talking about whether they are the problem. They are definitely not the solution to Nigeria's problem. They are not. So it is a sin for a Christian to look to them for a solution. The other day I saw Pastor Nebakar, he was very angry. How he went to the president's bedroom and showed him the document they all agreed on. I felt like I said, bros, calm down. He's a man. You're a prophet, you should know that he's a man. Don't be angry with him. He's a man. And he's, a, he's not even a king, he's a president. And you know, presidents, they, they are not half as, they are not a quarter as powerful as kings used to be. Because kings were both the like, executive, they were the lawmaking body, and they were the enforcement agency, and, what was it, and they were the judges. The king was the Supreme Court, he was the Senate president, and there was the commander in chief, an IG of police. That's what kings were. But this one is the president. Which means that somebody else makes the law. Somebody else interprets the law. He can say something and the other people say he didn't say it. But I said, said the Supreme Court said that was not what you meant. He's but a man. I'm going to emphasize something. Let's realize that God is a judge of the nations. If he says to a nation, prosper. See, let me tell you what that means. If he says to a nation, prosper. Suddenly, they'll be building aircraft carriers. They'll be manufacturing all kinds of things. Their land will produce so much, they'll be pouring grain into the ocean. That was what happened. He told Egypt, prosper. Egypt didn't know where the growth came from. Then one day he came, he broke the staff of bread. Egypt began to look for food. They did nothing different. Please stop worshipping Americans. They did not make America. Never forget Nebuchadnezzar. Is this not Babylon the Great, which I built by, my strength, by myself, with my own strength, for the glory of my majesty? God said, nonsense. Nonsense. You're talking rubbish. He said, heaven's rule in the affairs of mankind. The Almighty rules and gives the kingdoms over to whomsoever he wishes. While he was gone, Babylon got stronger. And while he was gone, the king, the throne was kept for him. When he recovered, they restored him back to the throne. He said, now I, I worship the king of heaven. I mean, God made, see, you must understand, you know, I was listening to a message in my car this morning. And I told the man, I said, no, you don't understand. <laughs> the man preached, I love him very much, he knows the Lord. He knows scripture like crazy. Plenty. But he said something, I just smiled. I said, bros, leave that. He was saying that, um, you see, time has been set, maybe like 17th of October, 6 p.m., the year, maybe 2095, you know, something like that for a particular event. He said, God already knows that date. 
He said, but that day will not come to pass, except when certain things are already fulfilled. I said, that's contradictory. If God already knows that date, and you are saying something will not come to pass until some things are fulfilled, I said, what it means is that whether we fulfill or not, that date will arrive. I said, you see, this is a mistake we are making. With God, he's not controlled by date. What I want to say, I pray you can understand it. Anytime the thing is ready, God will take a label. Write on that label, 17th of October, 2095, 12 noon, and plaster it there. That becomes the date. I pray you get that. One day you will understand what I've just said. He's not limited by date. Anytime, see, he, he tells you what time it is. The time does not tell him what to do. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's why, listen, these arguments you hear, that uh, the God created the heavens in, in seven literal days, and the heavens and the earth in seven literal days, is not, a, is not a relevant argument. Did you hear what I said? Okay, let me try and explain it to you. Whether it takes a million years in your opinion, or it took 10 seconds, when God is, because you were not even there at that time, when the Lord is done, you will say that was one day. I pray you get it. Time is what he calls it. Time is what he calls it. So he looks at a nation like America and says, be great. He made the greatness first. Then he carried people there, you go, you go, you go. Say you. They will give you a blueprint. Walk on it. We call it an atomic bomb. You. There's a blueprint that is coming. Walk on it. We call it a personal computer. You. There's a blueprint coming. It's going to call an aircraft. That's what he does. But we, when we don't know, say, man, you see, they came together and developed their country. God say, hey, no, no, no. If I blow like this, all of them will scatter. He's the judge of the nations. He's the judge of the nations. That is why in Africa, by landmass, natural resources, minerals hidden in the hills and the rocks, not too far from us, is a country that should be number two on the line. It's called the Democratic Republic of Congo. In poverty, it's amongst the bottom three. I read something. You can confirm it, if I'm not mistaken. That country has the second largest arable land mass on the earth. Land mass at which you can plant. Rare metals are there. But go and check in poverty calculation. They are, you count them from below, not from above. When you're counting land mass that can grow crops, you count them from above not from beneath. When you are counting natural resources, you count them from above, not from beneath. When you want to count poverty, you count them from beneath. They are competing with Yemen and Haiti. They are two and a half times the size of Nigeria. And they don't have deserts. Did you hear what I said? Two Nigerians will fit inside DRC and give you change. <laughs> two and... See, you can check this thing I'm saying, People now be coming, I'm telling you that, eh, 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 relation, eh, Africa needs to discover itself. How can you discover yourself when you are the one to be discovered? What's wrong with you? <laughs> it doesn't exist that God has to discover itself. No, there's nothing like that. It's when God says, leave. That's it. He said, I saw you in your blood, and I said, leave. And it was not possible for that baby to die. And it was not possible. He was speaking about a nation for that nation to die. When God said to the nation, leave. 
Please, I'm trying to see this. How if we don't understand this, we will pray wrongly. We'll get on our knees and we're praying about Buhari. Get on our knees and we're praying about. No, we can only bless those people and tell the Lord to have mercy upon them in the position in which they occupy. You can ask God, use him as an instrument of blessing for us and trust God that he's doing it. That's the only thing you can do. He's a judge among the nations. He's a governor among the nations. That's what he is. He's judging the nations. He's ruling the nations. Nothing happens by chance. What I just want to go into, remember, we are laying these foundations. It must be in our hearts if we, can, if we are going to pray effectively. What is the basis of the, or what are the basis of divine action in any nation? Remember, he treats the nation as if he's talking to an individual. That's what he does. He relates with nations as if he's talking to somebody. And each person, each nation has a spirit. I hope I get my point. There is what... Now, remember we said it earlier. There are two ways to look at nations. There's groups of people like now. You can look at a particular tribe in Nigeria, a particular tribe as a nation. But then some people try to limit to that. No. God also cuts the boundaries for peoples. I hope you're getting my point. God also cuts the boundaries. So he cuts nations for us. You have In Africa, we have different nations. You have um, the, the uh, DRC, Democratic Republic of the Congo. We have Nigeria. We have Ghana. We have Cameroon. We have Benin Republic. We have Niger. Now, they don't have to be the same tribe of people, the way we look at it. I hope I get my point. Because I don't want to go into that now. But the issue of this tribe self, eh? <laughs> don't be confused. You don't even know where you're from. <laughs> look, people just say things. You don't know where who is from. You don't know. You go to a place like Lagos, everybody's from everywhere. And we think it's only Lagos. It's like that. It depends on how long into the past you try to draw the history. Yes. That's just the way it is. People are from different places. What happens is that as you grow as a group, you imbibe a spirit. That spirit is now what defines you. Do you get what I said? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying, are they difficult? You want me to say it again? Huh? For example, now, which state are you from? Naturally speaking, your Hittiteness and your Amorite-ness. You are from Enugu State. Alright, which part of Enugu? Ogu, okay. That's uh, Israel's place. Israel, are you from that place? Is it your turn to, it's not your turn to produce governor, is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's assume you are from Ogu. Now, you are from Ogu, right? Now, but if I were to check, your father would probably tell me he's from Ogu. And your grandfather would say he's from Ogu. But I might get your great-grandfather. He may remember he's actually from Kogi. And that he came, he was a trader. Used to bring something, maybe palm kernel or, or a kind of yam, all the way from Kogi to Enugu. Then, while he was in Enugu, that's when they saw your great grandmother. And then, your great grandmother's father refused for him to carry her away. So he said, instead of letting Juliet go, Romeo will move to Ogu. Do you get my point? Yes, Before you know what's happening, one generation passes, they remember that your your grandfather's generation, they are half Kugi, half Ogu. By the next generation, people are beginning to forget. By the third generation, you are Ogu people. 
No, that's just the way life is. There's, no, there's nothing. That's just the way we are. That's the way we are. Now, what really makes you an Ogu man is not where your great, great, great grandfather comes from. Is do you have the spirit of the Ogu people? So when God wants to judge, he doesn't judge who your great, great grandfather is. It is which spirit do you carry? So that is why, if you listen to my series, particular message I taught on radio that time, when I was talking about Gehazi, that listen, when Elisha said to Gehazi that the leprosy of Naaman will not depart from you or from your descendants, I ask you a simple question. Listen, there's no quarrel about I mean, there's no, there's no catch to it. Are you a descendant of Abraham? Huh? That's it, naturally speaking. I ask a simple question. Please, if you are here and you are a descendant of Abraham, please put up your hand. Okay? See them all over the place. Now, let me ask you a question. Can your great-grandfather trace his ancestry to Abraham? The answer is no. Why are you boldly putting up your hand that you are a descendant of Abraham? I'll tell you, because ancestry is judged by your faith. So if you are of the faith of Abraham, you are a descendant of Abraham. That's why you boldly say, Abraham's blessings are mine. I hope you're getting my point. And you're not lying. In the realm of the spirit, that's what really matters. If you go and read it, Moab, the descendants of Moabites were not allowed into the temple of God down to the 10th generation. And Ruth said, you're not talking to me. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Ruth said, you are not talking to me. Why? Because Ruth took the faith of Abraham and made it her own. The curse of the Moabites left her lineage. Are you getting the principle? Yes, sir. It is the reason why you don't have to be able to point to Gehazi, physically speaking, as your great-grandfather. All you need to do is start telling lies to collect money in the name of the Lord. The leprosy of Gehazi is your portion. You getting the principle? That's what people don't realize sometimes. So, each, from what I've said now, so you see, the Ogu people now, they have a spirit. I hope I get on my point. And whoever carries that spirit is an Ogu man. And that's how nations are. And God deals with the people according to the kind of spirit that they have. I was going to emphasize the issue of nations. So, when we're talking nations, it's not just to count, um, you know, tribes and all of that. Okay, that's why I just want to do that. That look, really, they forget this tribe thing. You don't even know where you are really from. You want to count it by natural descent or natural ancestry. It's difficult, but as you go on in life, you imbibe certain spirits. So that is why a country like America, you see, if you, I remember one particular movie I was watching some time ago, it's based on the true story. Okay, but one guy said something. As a lawyer, he was representing a man that was caught as a as a spy. So they were now trying to. Saying that, look, why are you defending this man? Well, he was told to go and defend him in the spirit of American justice. So he told one CIA man that was trying to question him, what's the man telling you? He said, sorry, are you telling me to violate attorney-client privilege? That whatever my, lawyer, my client tells me, I can't tell you. It's, it's confidential. So the guy now said, look, come on, let's, let's be real now here, man, that this is what we're talking about. The guy said, hey, wait, wait, what's your name? He told him, he said, that means you're... You probably came from Germany. The guy said, yes. Your grandfather is from Germany. He said, yes. He said, my own, I'm Irish. He said, what makes both of us Americans? He asked that man. 
He said, is that rule book? The fact that we adhere to the rules. He said, that's the spirit. Now, I want to use the word now. That is the spirit of the American. So you see, he was telling him, you're German, I'm Irish by natural ancestry. But we have bought a different spirit. That spirit we are bought into is what makes us Americans. So if they will leave, if God wants to bless or judge Americans, they will participate in the spiritual consequences. Not the consequence of being German or Irish. Unless they are doing the deeds of the Germans, or doing the deeds of the Irish. Do you get the principle? That's how tribes and nations, that's how they work. So I was trying to say something. So when God creates, you know, like, let me give an example. Now, in Nigeria today, let me not say the bad side. We have some good sides. Let's talk about the good sides. For example, we praise the gospel a lot. I don't know. Does that even make sense what I just said now? I'm talking about the spirit of the nation. Because what we, what we are known for is bad, bad things. And something will make those bad things into a culture. And listen, when God comes against that, he judges the spirit of the people. As a group, he has to come against that spirit. Please bear this, I'm saying in mind. So God deals, okay, with the geographical, um, the people that dwell in the geographical area that he has carved. The most important thing is the spirit they carry. The most important is the way they are relating with him and with one another. I was going to bring out something to us, all right, so understand. That when God wants to judge nations, that's why I went to all of that. When he wants to judge nations, when he wants to, ex- when he wants to relate and pronounce his, you know, his, um, like we say, for the three sins of Edom and for four, of Ammon and for four, those kind of things. What he does, there are two things he judges. I want you to bear it in mind. That's my teaching for today. First, I've established that he judges. If he says, leave, they will prosper. If he has indignation against them, no matter how well they do, things will go bad. I don't want to go into that again. There are nations that struggle. God said, let them continue to struggle. My judgment is against them. But let me just read this one, just to emphasize it. Quickly, go to the book of Malachi. It was Edom he was talking about here. Malachi chapter... Sorry, let me just get there. Malachi chapter 1, yes. I want to talk about um, just Edom there, verse 4. He said, though Edom says, we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they will build, but I will tear down. And men will call them the wicked territory. And the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. Did you notice that? He said, people will look and say, man, these people, they are people with whom the Lord is perpetually angry. Why? Anytime they build, he breaks down. They may try to rebuild, but I will demolish again. That is what happens with nations. Please bear these things in mind. It's so important. So how does God relate? On what basis? Two things. Number one, and which was why we read the book of Amos. The first thing I wanted to establish from that is to let us understand that, listen, if you look at what he said in Amos, he was counting the iniquity of the people. He was counting it one by one. One thing that determines how God relates with people is simply his justice and their deeds. Did you get what I'm going to say? I said something to us at that time here. We're joking after one of these meetings. I said, when we get to heaven one day, and Jesus is leading the Bible study, then a time will come, he will show us some things that happened on the earth. We will ask him for permission. Please, can you rewind the time? Let's go and shoot people by ourselves. That you now, you know, that time when you were on the earth, you were angry. But when Jesus now begins to open your eyes and you see the way people behave, you will ask him, please, can you just rewind the time? 
Let us go and kill them ourselves. Those people that we're protesting to protect. This time around, give us time to go and shoot them. Do you know why? Because you will now discover the righteousness of God and his patience. You will see that, look, those people, did, they deserve to be killed 10 times. And what God gave them 10 years, 20 years extra, in his patience, in his mercy, in his long suffering. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, on this earth today, let me tell you the truth. Human beings are wicked. Human beings are very wicked. I will say a few things so that we will understand what I'm saying. A classmate of mine, he sent pictures to us from one foreign country where they were doing mission work and charity work. So somebody made a joke and said, oh boy, charity begins where? At home. You are there building boreholes, doing charity work. Why don't you come back and do it at home? Ha. He said, brethren, I have tried the one at home. There's somewhere, I think, in River State. It was an international agency, or they work with an international agency. They said, because of oil spillage and all of that, let's provide clean drinking water for the people. He said, to go to those rural communities, you talk with their representatives. So they went to, I think, their house of assembly. They said, come and take us to your people. We want to give you people drinking water. And the people demanded payment. That you pay us to take you to our village, our society, to go and sink boreholes for our people. He said they had a meeting and they discussed the whole thing. They realized that when they would get there, the community would demand money to sink the borehole for them. So after they put everything together, they said there's no way we would tell Americans, because the money was going to come from international agencies, that we spent your money to bribe people to help them. So they shut down the project and carried their money elsewhere. He was sending us this from, I think it was in Madagascar, one of these countries. He was chatting with us. So those of us who are saying charity begins at home, we try the charity in the home. And please, if you are from that area, you can see shell has never been your problem. It's your iniquity, the wickedness of your heart. You know the story now? Let's not mention names because of things. In this our Enugu, somewhere not too far from where his great-grandfather supposedly came from. <laughs> One of these are big, big corporate bodies said they wanted to distribute bicycles as part of their corporate social responsibility. So they brought a lot of bicycles. So they said, okay, where do we go? They located one of the villages around. They said, okay, let, let's meet them. We'll give them young boys and girls who get free bicycles. The only thing may, may be branded with the name of the corporate body. But it's free. You take it. I mean, what's concern? If you go out there as Cardinal, they are not coming to pursue you. The Igwe said first, don't they know that they're supposed to give him a cow first to even try to come? Yes. And that he will first have his own pick of a percentage of the bicycles. So those guys loaded their bicycles in the truck and went back to Lagos. Because the MD of that company won't give you... He expects a chief taste title from you. And I think you should give him... Yes. Yes, The guy said, is that so? They packed... I don't know how many dozens. Packed them in their vehicle and said, thank you. We are not giving again. Chibi, go and kill your cow by yourself. You don't know what God is doing. If you know how wicked human beings are, 
Just before coming here today, one of my classmates, a big man in this nation, one of these um, big, heading one of these big federal government parasitals, he sent a picture to our class people to see something. He was trying to tell somebody who says that people are not the problem. You know, NMPC has been allowed to build certain roads for the cost of about 600 and something billion naira. On one of the roads they are supposed to build, I will show it to you. People, when they head, they start erecting fake graves, fake boreholes. I have the pictures here. Every, they started building all kinds of things on the right of way of the road. So they asked one old man, old man, he said so that government can pay for it when they come to demolish it. The heart of man is wicked. Wicked. Exceedingly wicked. Listen, when God sees these things, a day comes, he wipes everybody out. And when he wants to wipe out, he has a number of ways. War. Pestilence. Natural disasters. Famine. Listen, you don't know how wicked people are. They said there are no jobs. One, one Ghanaian bishop, or was he a bishop, a big man? Anyway, he was speaking. I saw him the other day. That is a video. He said, he asked one of the big men in Ghana, one of the very rich men, why don't you employ up? You built a factory. They're trying to come and build factories in Ghana now and employ people. The man burst into laughter. He said, employ who? That he has found it cheaper to travel to India, employ an Indian, facilitate his, you know, his, his uh, migration, yes. pay the distance, spend all the money, and pay him as an expatriate. He said he has found it cheaper than employing the average Ghanaian. He said because when he employs the average African man in his own country, he spends so much time trying to mitigate against stealing. One man said, the, one Indian that was heading one particular distribution for Dangote cement, cement, he traveled home for a week. Oh, Yinka is not here. Like 50 trucks of cement disappeared. I said 50, so I won't lie. Actually, I think the truth is about 200. The man was gone for less than a month. I forgot, maybe like a week or two. The number of, you know what it is, trucks of cement? The number of trucks that vanished because an Indian went home. So people will say, say that Angote has money. It doesn't change the fact that you're a thief. That's true. That's true. And the curse of the Lord will be in your house. Uli. Unyoshi. Barao. You know the truth? A time came, God said, there is none righteous. No, not one. Do you know you can go to a whole nation of people and they have an unjust spirit? They have a corrupt spirit. And listen, God will pour his indignation against them. You can say anything you want. He will punish them, wipe them out. You won't know why they can't just make any progress. When I look at some of us Africans, the way we behave, we have a culture, listen to me, I want to say boldly, we have a culture, some important critical cultures that God will never bless. And anybody operating those cultures, they will never be blessed. 
Let me give you an example. If strangers come to your community and they are not safe, God will destroy all of you. As soon as a community now, they say you can't go there at night. Any young, any person that passed there at night, they won't see him again. It's a matter of time. God will wipe all of them out. See, there are people that God is very, uh, is very, very particular about. Widows, orphans, strangers. God doesn't take their matter easy. When God wants to bless a people, go and check what he does. When he wanted to bless Abraham, he showed up as a stranger. And let me see what Abraham would do. When he wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, they showed up again as, his, as strangers. Let's see what Sodom would do. And the Sodomites came against them because they were strangers. God said, you see? I have to smoke them. There are people that are unjust. They don't understand. Listen, justice matters to God. If as a people, you are just unjust, that is, I can't go to your elder. Maybe now, me and you are doing business. What God expects is that, okay, you are from a particular community, I should be able to go to your community and report if you cheat me. If I go there, listen to what I'm going to say, and then the people will judge against me, primarily because you are their son, you will destroy everybody there. You don't know. That, that, he's watching. He sets people up. He sets you up. He says, okay, let them sit down and judge. She will bring all the elders of the village. They will sit down. And they will, they will see the facts. They will see everything. And I say, this young man is a stranger. This is our son. We cannot judge against our son now. You now rule in your favor. Even though it's clear you are wrong. God says, I knew they would do that. I wanted to demonstrate my righteousness. Let the whole world see, because I'm going to start by next year beheading them and their children. I see some of their sons and daughters. Something good is found in them. Those ones will go to school from far. The day I send judgment against them, those ones will go to school. They come back next day, their whole village is gone. You won't know why. You may think, eh, what is what I came to? God say, I came because I was angry with people. But someone said, no, it's God say, it's not the devil. Didn't you see what I said? For three sins of Adam and for four, I will not revoke his punishment. Fancy, he began to count what the people were doing. Number one way he deals with people is because of their be- the spirit of the place. If it is wrong, God wipes people out. Before he does that, he gives opportunity for repentance. We all know the story of Nineveh. The people of Nineveh were wicked. <laughs> they, were, they are serious. They were wicked. So God tell, told them, Jonah, go and cry against the city. The running away of Jonah played in favor of divine assignment. Because the story about it is that by the time that fish finally swallowed Jonah, it dropped him on the shore, and some of the people of Nineveh saw it. So next time they saw Jonah, he was preaching. They said to their people, this is the man we told you was vomited up by the fish. So as far as they were concerned, God sent Jonah. They didn't, he didn't need to prove anything. When they heard the story of how he arrived in the submarine, yeah, you get my point? <laughs> when they saw the man arrived in the alien submarine, they knew that somebody sent him. So he went reluctantly and said, 40 days hence, and Nineveh shall be overtaken. And the people went into repentance. They repented of their sins. 
They confess. You see, they were not Jews. People get it's only God. It's only Jews that God used to deal. They're not Israelites. When they repented, he repented in sackcloth and in ashes. What did God do? He forgave them. And they were not mocking God. After that, they became kind. Generation after them forgot Jonah. And the judgment came upon them. See, God is just. God is very, very just. See, when we are why don't preachers preach these things, Apostle? Is it that, you know, Satan will blind them. The problem with this country is that the Fulani people have conquered everybody. God said, okay, where was your God when they were conquering you? Why didn't, don't you go to church? Why didn't you ask God? Why did you sleep? I'll have told you I never sleep. I never slumber. But your iniquity has risen in judgment against you. And it's worse. You know what Jesus said? The light of the body is the eyes. He said, when the light that is in you is darkness, how great is what? The darkness. The light of the world is the church. When the church becomes dark, that world is, is hopeless. And that is why we pray, and we continue to pray, that God, you must arise and cleanse your church. Otherwise, there is no hope for this nation we are in. Let me say something to you. Let's, let's tell ourselves the truth. It's not a lie. They tell us that Nigerians are very corrupt. Of course they are very corrupt. Didn't you see the one that happened just now? I just told you. They said they want to build. People are beginning to build fake, fake sites. God will punish every one of those people. He will. He will. Now, when you now have a whole nation that reasons like that, what do you expect? God will punish the whole nation. Somehow, by, by understanding I have, sometimes I want to go to God and say, Lord, Lord, Peleo, the Lord will help you. You know that kind of thing? You, uh, you, I mean, you are feeling sorry for the Lord because he says, now you know why he says that, is my hand too short that I cannot deliver? That, that, that is his lamentation. He says, my hand too short that I cannot deliver. Your people have been praying and praying and praying. You think I don't hear? Am I deaf? I don't know how to arrange economies. Of course I do. I don't know how to help you build infrastructure. I can speak. People say that, will it come from heaven? God says, yes. I can make real roads fall from heaven. Why are you making it like Uncle Kai? When he says something, he says, no, it may not be natural order, but he can do it. He said, God will lay a road from heaven. Just watch one day. You will see something like that. You, you, you will not believe it came from heaven. You say, a human being must have done it. You just see some Chinese and some Bolivians walking at midnight. They walk for one week. Your whole street will have some things. You, know, says, you will never know who awarded the contract. Because I want to show you that angels can do things. They did not give food to the Israelites. The ravens not bring food to Elijah. Because if, if it's necessary, I would do that. So why have I not done it? It's the same old reason. The iniquity of the people. I don't have anything for President Buhari more than pity. The only feeling I have for him is pity. Pity! I don't see him as a problem. Say, man, I just pity. Once I told my colleagues, I said, you people, let me give you words now. You people can never be blessed the way you behave. I think that's not the word I use for them. I said, anybody who agrees to rule over you is a very, very patient person. I said, me, I will never. I, no, I told them. I said, with this attitude I'm seeing from you, Top of the food chain in the society. You've never given me a word of thanksgiving one day. I left the group. 
said, Peter, come on, you don't come and be harassing my soul like this. I wake up every morning. You insult the president, insult everything. The day I knew that human beings were hopeless, or I knew before that, I knew after. But one of those days that they proved the hopelessness of human beings without Christ. They say some people, alumni of the university, sent money. How much is the money? $10,000. That what is the best way to use it? So um, suggestions started coming up and down. One department said, if we can get this, our babies will not die again. Another department said, if we can get this, ah. So they now say, okay, no, it's only one. So make it long story short. So there were three identified positions, places where we could use the money, and we'll transform healthcare. Ah. So I said to them, it is simple. The people, the alumni have donated the first 10,000. I said, the rest of us can donate another 20,000. And that becomes how much? 10,000 in three places, Abby. I said, all this quarrel we are having over who should get it, it ceases. Does it not cease? And before that time, we used to do something. We lost one of our colleagues, so everybody paid a certain amount of money, all right, to the cooperative to give to the family. And we had to do two, two. we had two cases like that. So, as I mean, it's January and February. So, January, they're taking that money. It wasn't much. They're taking it in February. So, I said, well, we, see, we have that going. Let's just do it for March and April. And I did a small calculation for them and saw that if we did that same thing for two more months, we'll have raised $20,000. And then we can give to all these people who are making noise. Of course, it's not they're going to spend. You know what I got from everybody? Absolute silence. The money I was talking about for the average income of them was 3% of their monthly allowance from that institution. Yes. Okay, 3.5%. I want to be accurate. About 3.5%. They will just take We're already contributing for our diseased colleague. After about two, three days, I said, please, oh, I brought up a suggestion two days ago. How come I've not heard anything? You know what somebody said? Why should I use my money to do what government is, about to do, is supposed to do? I said, but you were here fighting when the alumni were using their money to do it. The following way, I left the group. I said, you people, I can't, I can't relate with you. I'm telling you, this is why God judges nations. When you see wickedness in people, people are blaming government in this country. You should not. You should not. I have never seen any reason to insult any politician. The average person on the road is worse than him. My friends were supposed to construct a covert. They were building a big building somewhere in town. Opposite them was a bank. So the bank manager approached them that place. We want to construct a covert here. So you guys are doing, can you just give us some workers to do this for us? We'll just give you a small contract. So my friend who's the supervisor said, let me quickly make small money. So he came, wrote a bill, you understand, gave to them. I'll do the covert for you. The bank manager said, he didn't put his own inside. Covert. Not second Niger Bridge. Covert. <laughs> the, how much will he put for you in a covert? The manager of a branch of one of the first generation banks in this nation. I mean, no, not even one of those top yuppie banks. I mean, let me not mention them. Maybe at the top of my tongue. <laughs> let, me, let me keep it. How much? My friend told me, say, I don't have time for that kind of business. He threw away the job. I'm not doing it again. And walked away. He threw it away. Say, I'm not doing it again. It would have been 
terrible if he was unusual. That is, it would have been tolerable if he was unusual. But you and I know that he's not an unusual person. He's a common person everywhere. These are the things God puts together and say, there is none righteous. No, not one. And when he says it, he pours forth his indignation against the people. You know, start claiming all kinds of claims. When people, oh God, all forms of iniquity, adultery, stealing, you know what they call covetousness? That shall not covet your neighbor's good. You know what's covet- coveting? Coveting is not a want to. If I want your car, it's not coveting. It's called admiration. You know what is coveting? When I find every legal way possible to take the car from you. Stealing is when you are not looking, I collect it. What does it mean to covet? You come now, meet me and say, ah, bros, I beg. If you find me 200K, I have to pay my children's school fees. And I say, ah, no. You go put collateral now, you must pay within two weeks. I make you sign an agreement and I insist it's your car that must be collateral. Because you are desperate. A child is in hospital. The other house have to go to school and they have to eat. You actually give me the cars, collateral, thinking that you will get the money from elsewhere. After two weeks, you don't bring the money. I say, ah, that one don't enter voicemail now. It's called covetousness. God will judge it in his society. He judges stealing. He judges adultery. He judges covetousness. He judges lying. Or God sends you to go somewhere. You bring receipt. The thing is 5,000. You made the fellows there. There are things we do. Eh? Punish- See, the punishment has gone to the gym. <laughs> you finish doing the punishment, you just take leave. Go gym. Go and walk out. Say, the one way I won't give you before is not enough. I need to walk out some more. <laughs> they send you go and buy something. You reach there. They say it's at 5,000. Eh? So give me a receipt. And they, 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 they actually offer, do you want the receipt? Yeah. They give you the receipt. Now go home and write 15,000. And give the man. The man looks at it and gives you 15,000 naira. That 10,000 naira is ulcer. You will use to buy all kinds of drugs. And how much you spend on ulcer is 40,000. When the thief is caught, he replaced fourfold. It's 40,000 naira God will collect back from you. And that is mercy. If it wasn't being mercy, oh God, it's now worse if you use part of it to carry which as girlfriend. Ah, you don't die. You don't die. No, 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 no. Go and read my book, Worship and Sex Control. The witch will just go, say, avenge me of my adversary. You are just going to that. You just want to cross gutter. Just gutter out that we all cross every day. You will sleep inside, hit your head at the corner, get subdural hemorrhage, and die. For 10,000 naira. That is number one reason. God judges a nation is because of the iniquity of the people. When they commit iniquity, he, he personally rises against them in judgment. He does. Especially when there are no judges in the land and elders to tell the younger ones, stop what you are doing. One day will arise against them with pestilence, with famine, with the sword. You call it bullets and bombs these days. Those used to call it sword. With natural disasters. They wake up in the morning. You know, some of these kind of say, hey, go to Haiti. This won't happen. Go and ask how much immorality they are committing. Some of these so-called poor people are the most adulterous human beings on this earth. You'll be committing adultery in the midst of poverty. Are you mad? You should know that. You see, see, if you are poor, there are things you just not do. 
Because by adventure, God will have mercy. <laughs> you get my point? If you are poor, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery. You know, you like God, look me now, I did try. You know that kind of thing? You can't be in the midst of your poverty. Now you could do, they chase women. Leave that for rich people. <laughs> Leave that for rich people. Leave that for rich people. That you are praying that God should lift you up from somewhere. Yeah, they want digging yourself. But I've seen people like that digging themselves deeper into the rot of poverty with their own actions. Second reason God judges a nation, and I think this is the most important reason. The second reason He judges a nation. How do I say this? Psalm twenty-two. Let's just read this, and we are going to close. We will develop this one further next time. Now, this first one, remember, maybe God helping me, I'll remember to discuss that. That's why we have to be the light and the salt in every nation. Because these judges we are talking about, when God went to Sodom and Gomorrah, what did he say? If I find how many? Ten righteous people. If I find ten righteous people, it will not come. Ten. So, Christians, you've already seen that there's no hope, naturally speaking. Naturally speaking. So, assuming you live in Sodom and you live in Gomorrah, what is the assignment you have as a believer? Make sure you can be counted. See, it, I'm, saying, I'm not saying going around preaching is important, but let's leave that for a moment. To be the salt is to make sure that you are kept pure and you are kept unstained from the iniquity that is around. People of God, if everybody is over-invoicing, don't do it. If everybody is stealing, don't do it. If everybody is lying, don't do it. If they are all committing adultery, don't do it. Do you know why? When God is coming, he's not counting those who claim to be believers. He counts those who do what is right. Anytime you fall for temptation of Satan, you are reducing the number of people that can be counted. Did you hear what I said? Please, look at it from that perspective. I don't want you to be looking at it from the perspective of, uh, will God be angry? Whether he's angry or not, he will not count you again. Imagine, that Sodom and Gomorrah had 20 people. And the devil wanted them destroyed and is raising up accusation against them. He will just walk on 11, knowing that if God counts these 20, nothing will happen. If he counts 10, nothing will happen. I just need to reduce them to 9, and I'll be fine. That's what Satan is saying. That's what the adversaries will be saying. Imagine that a man like um, the king, what they call Balak, is rising up against them. And Balaam lets him know, look now, there are 20 righteous in this land. So Balak will say, so what do we do? We need to reduce them by 11. He said, organize a party. Give them jobs. Tell them that you have to believe in homosexuality. You have to do this and this and that. So you cannot be counted. Give the guy two million a month in salary. That's what Balak will do. Why? Because he knows. Which was what he did against Israel. Balaam told him to do it. That was what happened when the men went to join themselves to the Baal of Peor. So that by the time they committed sexual immorality with the women of Moab, they were going to bring judgment against the whole land. That was why God quickly had them executed. And 23,000 people died that day to preserve the lives of the millions that was traveling. So believers, watch yourselves. God is counting every day. If you're a judge, don't take a bribe. If you're a Christian 
and a judge and you take bribe, God will so punish you, you will hate yourself. Because his anger will not be against bribery. It's about why are you reducing the number of people that are on my side? Jesus is counting. He's counting his soldiers every day. He's counting. And that's what we must bear in mind. When we are doing what is right, it's not just about us. God is going to come to Enugu. Because accusation is rising up. You must understand, look, the agenda of Satan is to destroy people in their iniquity. So accusation goes up again every day against each land before the judgment throne of God. And one of the, you know, one of the standing rules is that you don't punish the righteous with the wicked. So every day, the angels are there counting. And God will say, listen, go by the city of Enugu and all the villages around and all the other towns there. I want this certain number of righteous people. And if I don't find it, things start going bad. So any calamity everywhere, trouble here and there, road traffic accident, um, you know, headsmen attack, ESM fighting soldier, soldier shooting somebody, things start going wrong. Then next thing, you know, roof will, roof will be blowing away, building will be collapsing. And let me explain, for the people of God, it's a warning sign. It's a warning sign. When you start seeing things like that, they know that judgment is around the corner. They start interceding for the mercy of God. Mercy, intercession, what it does is to buy time while you go out and advance the gospel. We have prayed and God has answered. He will grant us peace again in this nation. But listen to me, that peace will be what they call the eye of a storm kind of thing. It's just an interlude. How we take advantage of it is what we decide what we'll come after. If we take advantage of the peace and use our money and energy and righteous walking, personal walking righteousness, to advance the gospel, that's it. The anger is stayed virtually permanently. What would now decide that, man, it's time to live large again, which we did before. Next round of trouble. I know good idea. Which is the reason that brings me to the second point. The second point we'll discuss next time. In God's action in any nation, especially against a nation, is how they treat the son. It is more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for a nation that rejects the light of Jesus Christ. Let's just read that Psalm 22. We read it before. Last time we read it. Let's read again today. Psalm 22. Just a verse I'm going to read. Verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. And all those who go down to the dust will bow before him. Even he who cannot keep his soul alive. Posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will worship his righteousness. To a people who will be born that he has performed it. Bear that in mind. That's the determination of God. For time's sake, I'm going to stop reading here. But later we'll go and read it again from Psalm 1. We read it before. We read from Isaiah chapter 45. The word has gone forth. It says, I have sworn by myself. The word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. What is that word? That to me, every knee will bow. And every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, 
Only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. He said in Psalm 2, kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you will perish out of the way. Listen, every, any nation that will stand up against the Lord Jesus Christ and the knowledge of the glory of Christ will experience the judgment of God. They will. I will develop from this point next time. Let's just bow down heads and give the Lord thanks for the word today. This insight is to give us the ability to pray effectively against, for a nation. See, the devil is not our problem. It's the people. When we're interceding now, we cry for mercy. Let's just give the Lord thanks for this word. And then spend a minute and cry for mercy again for this land. Ask the Lord to purify his salt. He will answer that too. He will. He will take the salt and wash them by force. Because no matter how much you cry, if he doesn't find salt in the land, the land is gone. Ask the Lord to purify his salt in this land. Ask him, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.